Welcome back to the Dynasty Tailgate Podcast, a part of the IDP Army Podcast Network. Uh, follow us on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on any social media you can think of because we will definitely be in there. Uh, follow at Ombre Vendor on Twitter. Come talk to me. Come, you know, say who you think the best players are in college football. I would love to hear your list and compare your list with mine because I would, you know, I, I am appreciative of anybody who has commentary on college football because in this podcast, we are talking nothing but college football. And today we have the cream of the crop, the franchise building blocks for your future. And that is the quarterbacks. But before we get into that, let's take a All right, welcome back, welcome back. Last week, we talked about running backs. We had the top 11, not technically 10, but we had an 11th on. Uh, week before that, we talked about wide receivers. A little all over the place, but they were you know special nonetheless. But this week, you super flex fans out there, we're going to talk about quarterbacks. Even if you're not a super flex fan, if you're just an NFL fan, we're going to talk quarterbacks this week because there are potentially six quarterbacks going in the first round of the NFL draft list this year. Last year, it was a disaster. We kind of on this podcast, I'm not going to lie. I, as the season went on, was just not sure how these quarterbacks were going to figure themselves into the first round of the draft. It's just, you know, I just kind of like built myself into potentially believing that it could happen. And it did happen for Kenny Pickett. So I don't want to give, you know, I don't want to, you know, Take, you know, put anything against small hands. He got himself into the first round, and I appreciate him doing that. But Malik Willis, Spencer Rattler, who ended up going back to school, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell. Wow, Sam Howell. I had you number one last year. It was just, wow. That corral, like, none of y'all could do it. And I'm not going to lie. After I went to the Senior Bowl and watched them in person, it was not hard to <laughs> – to understand exactly why they weren't going to get drafted that high. Malik Willis, I still thought because he had an elite trait, maybe he could get up there, but just didn't shake out that way. Still think he has a chance in Tennessee. Still think he's got that chance. But the third round situation was very uh, glaring to me. Uh, everybody passed him up twice. It's kind of yikes. But this year we won't have that problem. There will be at least two players at the very top of the draft and i still think there could be at least four more drafted in the first round of this draft so let's just talk straight at the top and that is mr bryce young from alabama so i can hear i can hear you ohio state fans out there already chirping that it should be cj stroud but here on this podcast it's not that i don't agree with it sure i'll listen to you but it's bryce young for me so six foot tall, 194 pounds, 21 years old going into this year. Um, last year, he won the Heisman Trophy. He had uh, 547 attempts, 366 completions for a 67% completion percentage, 4,872 yards, 47 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. And two of those were against Georgia in the national title can't blame the guy that defense was elite so here's the good things about 
um, Bryce Young. So last year going into the season, um, it was an all new, eh, all new cast ish. I will say, um, Jamison Williams had just come in from Ohio state after, you know, he couldn't take the heat. So he had to get out of the kitchen in Ohio state. Couldn't, couldn't cook there anymore. So he got himself to Alabama. Couldn't blame him. He did exactly what he needed to do. Ended up in the first round of the draft, but he, uh, was a fresh, uh, face there in Alabama and Bryce Young had to navigate that. He also had John Mechie who was coming back. John Mechie I did not think was as good of a, a receiver as the guys that had come out of there the past couple of years. Um, but, you know, whatever. It's it's fine. He, he was a third round back or for a third round pick for the Houston. Still solid. Had a pretty okay year last year, but he was not the one. So Bryce Young got rid of his top two receivers because why not? Top running back also went to the draft in Brian Robinson. And got a whole new cast of characters this year. Um, and for that reason, it has me a little concerned. Why I'm not concerned necessarily to the highest degree is that I think this guy can learn on the fly. So, Jameis Williams was a brand new face last year. He came in and made him an elite receiver in one season. Jameis Williams never had a season like that in his entire career until he got to Bryce Young. And I think that should show you just ex- exactly how special Bryce Young really was. So, I mean, just shy of 5,000 yards is nothing to sneeze at. Two of, two of his receptions were against Georgia in the final game of the season after he had lost Mechie and Williams for that game. I mean, Williams got hurt in the first half of that game, and he didn't have him for the end of it. Um, a few games last year, you could see the cracks in Bryce Young's game. I mean, he's a first-year starter for Alabama, so he's got a little bit of pressure on him. Um, Texas A&M really showed a lot when they could get home. Um, that pressure getting through the line was a lot for him for for him to handle, much less the you know rest of the team. And then when they played Auburn, they had a weird game, is what I'll say. It the Iron Bowl is always a weird game, but this one was especially weird because Bryce Young was just not playing his usual ball. And I'm not gonna you know. Shouts out to Auburn. They put together a good idea, good plan. Roger McCreary was on James Williams, from what I remember, most of that game. Um, Derek Hall had three sacks in that game. I think Derek Hall might be – we'll get to defensive ends you know, at, at a later date, but I think he is a first-round talent. I saw that uh, – I think Todd McShay put him at, as a first-round talent going into this draft, and I, I can't can't blame him. He, he was all over the place in that – Alabama game last season made uh, made Bryce Young very uncomfortable, and I think that that is something that you cannot, uh, you know, bat an eye at because Alabama is a powerhouse. So going into his junior year, he's a true junior. I think that we can we can see what Alabama can do with a completely depleted roster. So they brought in Jameer Gibbs for him to be his running back. And I think that he's just going to build on it. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman again. I would love to see that completion percentage come up slightly. I would say having a 70% completion percentage is something that most people would like to see, but he was only in year basically one last year. He did play his freshman year a little bit, but not enough to where, you know, Mac Jones was, was the starter. He only came in, in those, um, you know, sweep up efforts. So I would like to see Bryce Young, 
you know, have the full reign of the offense. And I think he could do it. I don't think Nick Saban is going to allow him to fall off at all. I don't think, you know, Alabama doesn't fall off. They just reload. So I think that this is going to be another case of that. And that for that reason alone, I'm putting Bryce Young number one. He is only six foot tall. We have not really seen many of these short quarterbacks, these short Kings work out in the NFL. I'd say Russell Wilson's the, you know, everybody props up Russell Wilson and Drew Brees and they've won three Super Bowls in the last like 19. So sure. But like Baker Mayfield was short. He didn't work out. Um, and it's not to say that tall quarterbacks always work out either. It's just, it feels like if you're under like six, one, maybe six, two, things don't always go your way. I'm just saying, you know, I'm not hating on anybody's height. I'm just saying that's how it's been like Kyler Murray. We, we, I love Kyler Murray and I think that he's a fantastic player. Would I love to see him play a little bit better from time to time? Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. So Bryce Young's number one. I put a lot of negativity on that, I feel like, but I promise you, I'm just like, it's kind of like just trying to chip away cracks at a statue. Like this man is, is, is perfect on paper and he played that way last year. He had multiple games of 500 yards. He completely cleaned house with Arkansas. That was an, an annihilation what he did to that. And when he played Georgia the first time, probably the best college football defense I've ever seen, probably. He completely washed them the first time they played. It wasn't close. Like, he completely annihilated the best defense I've ever seen. I could not literally fathom what I was watching because I'm, I'm just that – was that appalled by Georgia, you know, having that kind of a hiccup of a game. I mean, most people said, oh, well, this shows Georgia was over – under, you know, overrated the entire time. That defense was not overrated. <laughs> it wasn't. And so the fact that he was able to do that against Georgia should show you just exactly how um, good Bryce Young was because he was very surgical in that game, and I was very impressed. And you should be too. So let's end that one on a positive note because he is still the best guy. Okay, spend enough time on him. Let's get through these next ones. C.J. Stroud, 6'3", 218, 21 years old as well going into the draft. He'll be a junior as technically a sophomore, he, he is a, a, a product of the 2020 situation, and he did not play his first year. Last year, he did play, though, and he had 317 attempts, or 441 attempts, 317 completions for 71.9% completion percentage, 4,400 yards passing, 44 touchdowns, six interceptions, the only notes I have for CJ Stroud is he just needs to clean it up a little bit. There was just certain games that he was playing that were pretty sloppy. And I think that for that alone, I, I think that you could definitely see an improvement in his game. There's absolutely zero rushing upside with him. Like that's, that's not going to happen. I wouldn't even say scrambling is necessarily something you're going to get with CJ Stroud. Like it's just going to be that, that singular, like pass heavy, big arm, like really good player. Like I think that's all you're looking for when you're looking at CJ Stroud and he's got the best wide receiver in football this year. So that worked out for Kenny Pickett now, didn't it? And you know, baby hands ended up in the first round. CJ Stroud now has the first, the best uh, wide receiver in football in Jackson Smith and Jigba. So I definitely don't think that, you know, there's anything that can go wrong 
So I will say that there was, you know, Michigan State, I think, is the game that we should latch on to when we're looking at them. 32 of 35, 91% completion percentage, obviously. 432 yards, six touchdowns. Michigan State was a good team, and they like to get people, you know, really, like, messed up. And he was able to navigate that. I mean, disaster really didn't strike them until they got to Michigan, I would say. Michigan was the one game where I felt like, well, first of all, he's going to get Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson kind of planted his flag as, you know, one of the best defenders during that game. And I I was impressed with C.J. Stroud in that game. And I, I still think that even though he was going against the best, probably def- best defensive player in college football, which is funny. C.J. Stroud played both Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson last season. I didn't realize that but two of the best edge rushers in football, and he was able to navigate both of them. Didn't win either game, but <laughs> he was able to at least hang in there and try, so that's, you know, that's interesting too. Didn't think about that one until I said, you know, working things out. This is an open notebook, you know. We're just talking through this. Um, but this year, I, I definitely can see that offense being a lot more clean than it was last year. It was a little raw. I, and that's to be expected. He'd only played – he didn't even play cleanup duty his freshman year at all. He he threw one pass the entire year. So you could definitely see there were some raw – you know, just need to put it back in the oven. You know, when you, you get the ch- chicken out, you cut open into it, you see, it's not quite done. You stick it back in the oven for a little bit longer. That's C.J. Stroud going into the season. We're just putting it right – you know, we're putting a, a beautiful chicken – back in the oven so that we can get that thing clean cooked and uh, cleaned up. And I don't know, hopefully that analogy made sense to anybody else, but to me it makes sense because he's a very raw talent still. And I think once we clean up just a little couple of those raw spots in his game, we're going to have a beautiful product and CJ Stroud could potentially be the number one pick in this draft. I'm going to whisper this to the audience. I have sprinkled a little, a little cheddar on him to win the Heisman this year because I think CJ Stroud and I also have sprinkled a little cheddar on him to be the first pick in the 2023 draft because I think if you put him with Jackson Smith and Jigba, you put him with Marvin Harrison's son, Marvin Harrison Jr., who is going to be uh, featured heavily on that team this year. Uh, they have the best running back in football in Travion Henderson. Very good pass catching back out of the backfield. That's another thing that you have going for C.J. Sproud. Stroud. There's just a lot, a lot to like about him going into this year. and. I think Ohio State fans should be really pumped this year. If I was going to bet on anybody to win the title just like straight right now, if you put a gun in my head, it would be Ohio State because that offense is just nasty. And their defense is going to be better than they were last year. They weren't really good last year, but I think they're going to be pretty good this year. Um, But the offense is going to be elite. It's just going to be elite. And C.J. Stroud's leading it. So I believe that Ryan Day is going to have them looking to be in a good spot. C.J. Stroud, you're number two for now, just for now. On to number three, Tyler Van Dyke at Miami. So last season, we had De'Eric King start out the season. We were hopeful. The 5'8 uh, quarterback from Houston that transferred there was a very – he had a couple of good seasons at Houston before he got to Miami. Um, just didn't work out. Didn't work out. So Tyler Van Dyke, 6'4", 224 pounds. That, 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 you know, that's the kind of thing that – you know, what's the shorts of scouts? They see that on that measurement in their little 
handy media guide, and they're like, oh, boy, 224, 6'4"? John Elway would draft him immediately right now, even if he'd never seen him play. So he did play 10 games last season, uh, 202 yard or completions on 324 attempts for a 62% completion percentage, 2,900 yards through the air, 25 touchdowns, six interceptions, Apparently, everybody in college football last year threw six interceptions. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about that. He will be a sophomore this year since he did do the 2020 opt-out situation where he did not count that year. He only played one game through two passes that entire season. So, he, uh, you know, they were going to see what De'Ara King could do. I think we could all could say could, could have said ahead of time, De'Ara King's not that guy, and he wasn't. So, um, this year, Miami has a very good, uh, good situation. They got rid of Manny Diaz. Um, they brought in the guy from Oregon whose name's blanking me. Sorry. apologize about that, but they brought him in and he is going to change everything about this team. And I think Tyler Van Dyke is the guy to lead them into it. Um, he's been very good at recruiting. They're, they've recruited quite the squad. They had a pretty good team last year. Uh, Char- Charles Rambo, shockingly, was the best wide receiver on that team. Uh, best wide receiver statistically in Miami history, which was weird AF because Charleston Rambo in Oklahoma was not that guy at all. So to see him, see Tyler Van Dyke use him to his advantage should show you that Tyler Van Dyke is very good at adapting to the situations that he's put in. And I think that he could end up being a very good prospect going into this. I do not see him as necessarily a top 10 pick, but I see him as that, that like 10 to 18, that range. I, I don't think he has the upside to get into the top 10. He could just don't see it. All right, let's get on to number four. I need to get through these pretty quickly. The top two guys are kind of the guys you're thinking of. I need to get through these. I don't have as much to say about the rest of these. So number four is Anthony Richardson. I would call him Mr. AR-15, but with everything going on, he's trying to distance himself from that nickname, so I will probably try my – I'm not even probably. I will try my best not to call him that this season. He is trying not to have that as his um, AR-15 for Anthony Richardson. He wears the number 15. It was kind of his his nickname, but he's trying to distance himself from it. So I appreciate that. I will – you know, I, I've learned – Will not say it, but he is at Florida. He played little, little bit last season, so he's 6'4", 236 pounds. Um, he only played in seven games last season. Thirty-eight attempts, sixty-four, or sixty-four attempts, thirty-eight completions uh, for a fifty-nine percent completion percentage, five hundred yards, six five six touchdowns, five interceptions. I know what you're thinking to yourself. Uh, why in the world are we paying attention to this dude? So he also had 51 attempts for 400 yards and three touchdowns. He is an extremely dynamic player. I I don't think I can undervalue exactly what he is out there. He is 236 pounds, but yet he runs like a running back, like a big, bulky, fast running back. Like, I don't even know who to compare him to. I guess... Leonard Fournette, maybe. I mean, he's probably up around 240 as his actual playing weight. Um, And I think he kind of runs like that. He also has an absolute cannon attached to his arm. Is it accurate? 
No. Is that something that could be improved? Yes. We found it with Josh Allen. And I think you're seeing the molding of a Josh Allen. Now, I know that we said Malik Willis was in that vein. Or not Malik Willis. We said he was like Lamar Jackson, which also isn't true. But I think this is your actual Lamar or your actual Josh Allen prototype. And it's Anthony Richardson from Florida. He has the size. He has the build. He has the rushing ability. Actually, I believe he's better at rushing than Josh Allen. Um, he's got the cannon, and he is inaccurate as hell. So I'm not going to lie, but I'm just going to I'm just going to whisper this out: Giants. Brian Dable made Josh Allen amazing. This is your time to get your own Josh Allen for the Giants. But I'm just whispering that out there. Anybody could have heard what I said, but I think there's one team out there whose coach made Josh Allen amazing, but you know, whatever we don't, we don't need to go down through the path of who all that is. Number five, Will Levis from Kentucky, uh, six, three, 222 pounds, kind of got that great build. So Will Levis coming from Penn state, his first two seasons to play his third year at Kentucky. This will be his fourth year. So he will actually be a senior this year. So might see him at the senior bowl, 233 completions, on 353 attempts, 66 completion percentage, 2,800 yards, 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. You're saying to yourself, why should I care about this guy? And I'm just going to add out there 107 attempts, 376 yards, nine touchdowns. He's just an all-around gamer. And I think anybody who's watched a Kentucky game can appreciate how – um, let's see how much he wants to win. I, I, I kind of said this a little bit about Desmond Ritter last year, and I think his game is going to remind a lot of people about Des, like what Desmond Ritter was last year. You know how Desmond Ritter, okay, this is going to come off hateful as hell, but you know how Desmond Ritter wasn't really good at anything. He was just like, he wasn't great at anything, but he was good at a couple of things. That's kind of what we're looking at here with Will Levis. And somebody's going to take a really big offense to that, and I don't really care. Kentucky, be better. Sorry. But if you're looking for a guy that's in that same mold that could potentially take a bigger step forward than Desmond Ritter did at Cincinnati, Will Levis is that guy. He's a winner. He's proven that he is a, a, he's got that dog in him. There you go. That's, that's the, the adjective. He's got that dog in him. That's Will Levis. For Kentucky excited to see what they do this year uh, not sure they're gonna exactly be able to do what they did last year Kentucky but eh, as long as they can get close all right on to Spencer Rattler who's number six uh, played at Oklahoma last season under Lincoln Riley's absolute tire fire of a season um, and decided to transfer to South Carolina more more power to you I, I appreciate what you had to go through with the Lincoln Riley experience while he, you know, burned the place to the ground. But he is 6'1", 209 pounds, 22 years old, transferred from Oklahoma last year, as I mentioned. Um, I thought he was going to be the chosen one. And after the 2020 season, he was he 317 attempts, 214 completions, 3,000 yards, 28 TDs, 7 interceptions, not a bad season. If that was most people's second season, not bad. We thought going into his third year as a junior that he was going to be, or, or as a sophomore, because 2020 didn't count, 
we were we thought that was this was going to be great for him. This was going to be the year that he could make things change. So going into his technical sophomore year in 2021, um, he played nine games, 140 attempts, 187, uh, 187 attempts, 140 completions, 74% completion percentage. 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions, got benched at halftime against Texas where Kale Williams came in and absolutely wrecked Texas and never let go of that job again. I don't necessarily think that Spencer Rattler is a bad quarterback, and I know a lot of people out there are going to point to last year and say, hey, he sucked. He wasn't able to handle it. I don't think Lincoln Riley fit his offense to what Spencer Rattler did best in 2020 in 2021, I think that Caleb Williams was able to thrive because Caleb Williams is really good playing in situations where it the play is supposed to go one way, but he has to come up with a different plan on the fly. And Caleb Williams, who is a five-star recruit, as was Spencer Rattler, by the way, was a, you know Spencer Rattler is more of a pro style. He can you know roll out if he has to, and he can find a play. He's like Mahomes-ish in that way, not comparing him to Mahomes, but he's Mahomes in that one way um, as he's able to come out of it on the fly and kind of make something happen. Caleb Williams is kind of like just give him the ball, give him a stick where you can pull, draw a play up in the dirt and just let him go. Pissed Lincoln Riley off, I'll bet, showing what Caleb Williams could do. I don't think he wanted to let the world know how good Caleb Williams was last season, and he was forced to because he played so darn well again that Texas game. But enough about Caleb Williams. Spencer Rattler going into South Carolina this season. I I, I think that he's going to have a great season. Like, I really do. Uh, he's playing for Shane Beamer, who was an assistant at Oklahoma a couple years ago. Um, and I, I think that as long as there's nothing wild that happens and he just goes out there and plays his game, I think Spencer Rattler could be back up in the first-round conversation. I don't like what happened to him last year, and that's going to – really cloud the narrative and i'm hoping that college football analysts out there can speak to the fact that that was not necessarily indicative of his game but i also don't know how they're going to play it so for my reason for that reason spencer Rattler's number six think he could go up though i still think he's in the 18 to 20 range of quarterback placement but just is what it is in the draft that is um on to number seven that's Devin Leary from NC State, 6'1", 212, 22 years old. Um, I, I I think North Carolina State's the, the sleeper this year to be really freaking good. Um, they've just they've what they've been building down there uh, for the last couple of years has been really good, and you're really just catching Devin Leary at the right time. So he was a redshirt sophomore last year, 431 attempts, 283 completions for a 65% completion percentage, 3,400 yards. 35 touchdowns, five interceptions, um, and rushing not very much of a factor for our guy from North Carolina State. So the good things about North Carolina State, or for him in North Carolina State, the team's going to be good this year. I think that they have a very good chance to win the ACC, and I think that there's a good chance that based on how things are going to go, for them this year, I think that that's going to only boost Devin Leary up because he's the best player on the team, best player on that offense, best player on the team. And if they're going to win, it's going to be because of him. So he's going to have a lot of highlight plays. He's going to be the guy on your screen, you know, late, maybe perhaps late November, 
playing in games that matter. And that is all that you need from him. And we just need to see his progression. Just get a little bit better, cleaning up those, you know, those passes a little bit, make that completion percentage up to around 70 and Devin Lear will be good to go. So that's the last of the players that I think could potentially be first round guys. We're going to quickly go through the guys that are below that, that have a little bit to work on, but there there's still hope. Um, number seven is Phil or number eight is Phil Jerkovec from Boston college. Uh, six, five, two fifteen. He is 23 years old right now. He's played at four schools. He has only really had one great, great year last year. He did not play the full season. Um, We'll go back to Boston College two years ago, though. 336 attempts, 205 completions, 61% completion percentage, 2,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions. There's just, he's just got to clean it up a little bit. Uh, uh, that's all. Um, he's got a little bit of rushing in him. He did have 300 yards on the ground last season, was something that we weren't really sure, but it also probably led to his uh, injury that was not able to. And he is old. So, there, you know, there, there's problems with his game, but I think there is a potential chance for Phil Jerkovec to show at Boston College this year. The ACC is going to be a good conference for quarterbacks this year. And the next one on the list, number nine, Sam Hartman at Wake Forest, is a good example of that. So he's 6'1, 200 pounds. Um, last year, he threw a ridiculous 580 or 508 attempts, 299 completions. 4,222 yards, 39 inter- or touchdowns, 14 interceptions. It, it's just it, it's just kind of ridiculous. He's also at 300 yards on the ground, mind you. Um, he's going to be the good guy for DraftKings if you play in college football DraftKings because that's, that's the kind of guy Sam Hartman is for Wake Forest. And if you watched a single Wake Forest game last year, you knew that every game was going to be like 47 to 42 or – 54 to 43 like it was always gonna be some wild ass big score because the defense was absolutely terrible and for that reason i mean you're gonna get to see more of sam hartman you're gonna get to see what he can do at wake forest and so for that reason i'm putting him at number nine and i'm hoping for the best all right on to the last quarterback in this draft which i am completely confused at at number 10 hendon hooker from tennessee six four hundred and ninety pounds 25 years old so let's just dissect that one at a time real quick. 6'4", tall as hell. 190, skinny as hell. 25 years old, old as hell. There's a lot going on there. And he was really good last year at Tennessee. So he had played three years at Virginia Tech. Three forgettable years at Virginia Tech. Uh, the first year he didn't play, so we'll give him that one. But the two years after that, 2019, 2020, they were pretty forgettable. It wasn't anything that you know we we liked but last year when he got to tennessee um playing for lane not lane kiffin i think lane kiffin anyway playing in tennessee 206 uh completions on 300 attempts 2900 yards passing 31 touchdowns three interceptions as well as 600 yards on the ground five touchdowns so if we're doing quick maths, 36 total touchdowns, three picks. Pretty good. Pretty good, right? You would definitely like that on your team. And that was for Tennessee last season. Doesn't make mistakes. Close to that 70% completion percentage. Uh, the gamble here is him being 25. He's going to be a redshirt senior this year. 
um, that tends to make people nervous. You don't really usually want them to start out young or start out old. I mean, don't really want them to start out at 26 when they're getting to the NFL, but oh well, he's going to, he's going to be, well, I think he's only gonna be 25 when he gets drafted, but still it, 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 it's going to make you a little nervous when you have him on your team. So that is all I have for you today. Uh, Bryce Young, number one, CJ Stroud, number two, Tyler Van Dyke, number three, four, Anthony Richardson, five, Will Levis, six, Spencer Rattler, seven, Devin Leary, seven, or eight, Phil Jerkovec, nine, Sam Hartman, 10, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. That's the list. That's the top 10 I have for you this year. Draft eligible. I should have said that on the front end. Caleb Williams isn't going to be in here. Just not. He's not draft eligible this year. Probably the best college or best football player, quarterback in college football, but he's not going to be drafted. So he's not in this list. Uh, there are a couple players out there that I'm, I'm very interested in. Uh, Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina. You'll recall. See what I did there? Uh, he had Isaiah Likely last year, and they formed a very formidable uh, duo uh, playing at Coastal Carolina. Uh, Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma. Very interesting. Very interested to see how he is this season. Um, and there is a couple others that we will, of course, keep an eye on because they're – is always going to be one quarterback out there that I'm not even thinking about right now at all, and he will come out of nowhere to be amazing. So can't wait to see who that is. So that's all I got for you this week. Please subscribe to the channel. Please leave any comments on this video about what you what you disagree with, what you do agree with, um, who you would add, anything like that. I do appreciate any and all feedback about these these podcasts because – Literally, guys, I'm just getting you all ready for college football or girls. You know, girls like college football, too. I'm just getting you all ready. I, can't, I cannot wait to see exactly how this college football season goes. I think there's any team that could win it this year, and there's a lot of great quarterbacks, and I'm so happy that we finally have another good season with a lot of great quarterbacks. So that is all I have for you this week. I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.